At Baptist Health South Florida, it's our mission to care for you when you're injured or sick and help you stay healthy and fit. Welcome to the Baptist Health Talk podcast, where our respected experts bring you timely, practical health and wellness information to improve your family's quality of life. Welcome back to Health Talk Podcast listeners. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Fialco. I'm a preventative cardiologist and lipidologist at Miami Cardiac and Vascular Institute, where I'm also Chief of Cardiology at Baptist Hospital and the Chief Population Health Officer at Baptist Health. Lung cancer is, by far, the leading cause of cancer-related deaths for both men and women. We all know that smoking is a main contributor to developing lung cancer, but about 10 to 20% of lung cancers happen in people who never smoke. Learning about lowering your risks and improving your lung health can be life-saving. To kick off Lung Cancer Awareness Month, I recently hosted an episode of Baptist Health's Resource Live program for a discussion centering on this disease. My guests were Dr. Federico Albrecht, medical oncologist with Miami Cancer Institute, Dr. Brenda Rodriguez, a pulmonologist and vice president of the medical staff at Doctors Hospital, and Lori Adelson, workplace counsel and board member of the American Lung Association. Let's hear what they had to say. Um, Federico, let's start with you. Uh, Most people think that really lung disease is a disease of smokers, and we know that smoking does drastically increase one's risk of getting lung cancer. Um, But according to the CDC, about 10 to 20% of lung cancers happen in people who never smoked or really smoked fewer than 100 cigarettes over their lifetime. Can you speak a little bit about lung cancer in non-smokers? Are there any identifiable causes or risks? How prevalent is it? We know that lung cancer is caused by smoking in the majority of patients, 80, 90%, as you say, but not all. So why a person that has never smoked or has never been exposed to uh, secondhand smoking develops uh, lung cancer? Why? Well, if you look and uh, go to the uh, institu- big institutions' uh, web pages like uh, the CDC or the American Cancer Society, and you look, you know, you put uh, what are the causes of non not related to smoke uh, for lung cancer, you will see a list of uh, reasons that uh, may actually cause lung lung cancer, and that is, you know, the gas radon some air pollutants, some air contamination, for example, diesel exhaust and things like that. But those causes, you know, and those actually causes cause lung cancer by the same mechanism that uh, smoking uh, causes lung cancer. It produces an irritation of the cells and produces a DNA damage of the cell. But, uh, but you know, um, that in the United States, the air is, you know, fortunately very, uh, I mean, it's good. So I do not believe that, and, and we oncologists and thoracic oncologists, we don't believe that that's the real cause of, um, of lung cancer in non-smokers. There has, to, there has to be some other cause, some other cause that we, you know, uh, should identify. And I think that cause is is actually not only I think, but uh, it's a cause that is recognized more and more. And I'm referring to the genetic alterations 
that lead to lung cancer growth. So um, when, 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 when we talk about those genetic alterations uh, that make that cancer growth, we, we actually name them mutations and we actually uh, tell them driver mutations because, because it's actually uh, driving the lung cancer cells to become, to become malignant and actually to progress to, to lung cancer. And, and are those driver mutations, that alteration that an, and a mutation is DNA damage that actually tells the lung, the, the cancer to divide and to invade. And, uh, and those driver mutations generate lung cancer that is, and it's a type of lung cancer that, that Jonathan is biologically di different from the classic you know, smoking related right, lung cancer. Right. They usually present in younger patients. Uh, they usually present in females. They have a, a, a different uh, presentation and a different growth rate, and they can uh, do metastasis in different uh, organs. And actually, the prognosis uh, is quite different. It it's actually can be better treated with oral therapies. So the short answer uh, now, um, um, uh, Jonathan, is that uh, most likely is a genetic alteration. That is why when we see a new a newly diagnosed lung cancer patient that has never smoked, we need to do, and we always do genetic profiling to identify those driver mutations. And we don't want to diminish the impact of smoking on lung cancer risk. But as we said, I think the take home point is uh, not all lung cancers from smokers. And as you allude to, the genetic composition determines a lot of the workup and treatment. And certainly at the Miami Cancer Institute, this is part and parcel of the evaluation of patients with lung cancer. Um, Lori, you've had a personal experience with um, lung cancer. Um, looking back on when your mother was, was first uh, diagnosed, what was your mom going through? What were the symptoms that uh, were first noticeable that led towards a lung cancer diagnosis? Well, what was interesting, um, segueing from Federico's conversation, is she had a driving mutation. So my mother did not have any symptoms. My mother, um, at the time she was diagnosed with stage two lung cancer, um, had been diagnosed through a mammogram. Her OBGYN um, had taken um, her routine exam and saw a spot on her lungs. So notwithstanding the fact that it wasn't an actual lung scan, she was saved by the scan. Um, and, and very, you know, very fortunately, you know, she caught it at, you know, an earlier stage. Unfortunately for us, um, she did. She still only had a five to seven year prog prognosis. But after the chemo from the first treatment for the lung that had been resected, um, she developed uh, pulmonary fibrosis um, and thereafter had a recurrence on her second lung. So um, while we were grateful that it was caught at that first stage, the, the rest of the treatment um, for which we were not very educated on um, and the rest of the, the what happened, the events um, were surprising to us. We, we were really shocked. My mother was a non-smoker um, her entire life and she was healthy. She played tennis, she was active. She was you know 70 um, years old, um, living the country club you know lifestyle. And um, you know we, we, were, we were really we were really saddened um, and disappointed because she was, she was, you know, our heart center of our family. So, um, and then not having had the education, my mother ended up taking um, the shingle shot, which she should not have because at the time it was a live vaccine. 
and it caused her to get chicken pox, pneumonia, and ultimately fail within six months. Oh boy. So this to me, my mission is to educate others because had we known more, we think we would have had my mother, maybe not for, you know, 20 more years, but at least through the prognosis that she originally was originally given. So, um, and I, I got involved with the American Lung Association because of this. Um, I sat through one of their first luncheons, was moved um, to tears at the stories and couldn't believe, you know, that I didn't know all that went on behind the scenes. Um, and so grateful for Baptist Health, you know, for, for putting this on today because more people need to know. I mean, 8% um, awareness rate. That's shocking. It's the number one cancer killer. Um, and thank you for sharing that that personal experience and you know, having that 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 experience catalyzed you to to you know, develop this passion for education and um, uh, early identification of lung cancer and support, um, which is uh, which is well noticed and much appreciated. Um, Brenda, um, so Lori's mom uh, found this out an incidental finding um, uh, a finding on a, a, a mammogram. Um, uh, is that usual or uh, do more often we find um, patients present with symptoms that then go on to that go on to discovery of lung cancer? What's what's the usual experience that uh, you, you see? Yeah, unfortunately, as you mentioned, um, early state uh, at early stages of lung cancer, patients are frequently asymptomatic. Symptoms become more frequent at the, uh, as the cancer becomes more advanced. That was the case of my uncle who passed at the age of 40 with lung cancer. He was diagnosed at very advanced uh, stage. Uh, 60 to 70% of lung cancer patients uh, were not diagnosed until cancer was advanced. Um, The most common uh, symptoms uh, that patients can present are cough, Coughing up blood, which we call it uh, hemoptysis, shortness of breath, and chest pain. So any uh, uh, patients with risk factors, especially former smokers or smokers who present with cough and hemoptysis, that should trigger an evaluation for uh, lung cancer. And obviously, as the lung cancer progress and is spread to other areas of the body, uh, patient can have other symptoms, uh, especially, I mean, if they spread to the brain, liver, uh, bone, uh, they can have electrolytes imbalance. Sometimes uh, you, you go to the physician and uh, they found that the patient had abnormal calcium levels, uh, normal sodium levels in a high risk uh, patient, even if they don't have any other symptoms, that probably should trigger an evaluation looking for lung cancer. So from a context standpoint, it's fair to say not everyone with a cough has lung cancer. Um, Not everyone who coughs blood is lung cancer, but that would be a little bit higher risk uh, uh, for it. If someone has those symptoms and they see a doctor, um, what's the general workup? Is it a chest X-ray is the first step? And, and if so, how reliable are chest X-rays? Well, a good conversations with the patient. How long do you have the cough? Uh, what other symptoms predispose? Obviously, if you had an infection, recent infection, and you're coughing. and uh, so, so history is the clue. And once uh, you go through the channels of evaluation, then depending if you have a high-risk uh, patient, then you should undergo uh, some surveillance, some screening, which 
uh, we many organizations uh, had uh, guidance uh, to continue monitoring, especially long screen uh, CT scans. But the first is a good conversation with your physician. Appreciate that. Um, and again, we may come back towards some of the, the screening and the scans. Um, Lori, I'd like to come back to you and, and to follow up on your, your, your personal experiences and, and, and your journey as a um, um, loved one of having a loved one with cancer. Um, a lot of emotions go through a cancer diagnosis for both the patient and the family. Um, what would I'll say what advice or what kind of information would you want to educate people about regarding that journey from diagnosis towards treatment, ultimately towards success and, and remission or you know, other outcomes? Thank you. Um, so most importantly, I raise awareness by sharing my story, right? So um, I feel that no person facing lung cancer should go through it alone. Um, and you know, I really hope that this conversation motivates people to listen to their bodies, advocate for themselves and their loved ones, and talk to their physicians about getting lung cancer screening work with your doctor to make treatment decisions, make sure your doctor knows your preferences and what know what to expect, um, whether you have a, um, a healthcare surrogate or, or you know, whatever your, what your needs are and what you want in the event that it's an end stage situation. Um, the Lung Association is a great first place to go for people who are newly diagnosed. Um, they have staffed with nurses and respiratory therapists who can connect with resources. And they also have, the Lung Association has a partnership with Innerman's Angels, um, who connect people with lung cancer with lung cancer survivors. So they're able to see that there is hope. Um, and the connection is so valuable to people who are particularly uh, newly newly diagnosed. Yeah, I, I, and again, I think uh, very, uh, very heartfelt. Um, everyone's an individual and everyone's journey will be different. And everyone's desires and wishes uh, should be and will be uh, identified and supported. Um, but there are certain commonalities that we can express and people do have opportunities to be educated and for support as well, which again remains the, the take home message. Um, uh, so again, uh, thank you for that answer. Um, Federico, we know about, you alluded to some of the treatment options uh, regarding the genetic, genetic makeup of cancer. Lori mentioned mom had surgery. Um, talk a little bit about what the treatment options for cancer patients uh, are. They're rapidly evolving. What goes into creating a treatment plan individualized to a patient with lung cancer? So we, you know, when we diagnose a, a new uh, patient, we see them in our multi multidisciplinary clinic, which is actually a concept. Um, we, you know, it's a concept that, uh, that, that Dr. Um, uh, Sinner, our CEO, implemented since the beginning. Uh, because we, you know, we believe that uh, a patient and a patient with lung cancer uh, should be approached in a comprehensive uh, you know, perspective, um, having the uh, perspective of different uh, uh, specialties, including not only medical oncology, but also thoracic surgery, radiation oncology, neuro-oncology, and, and many others like pulmonology with the help of radiology and pathology. So we discuss uh, the case among us, you know, the team, uh, in, a, in, a, in you know, with this team approach uh, to define the best, uh, the best, you know, the best approach, the best um, a way to treat uh, this unique patient, that individual patient, to give the individualized uh, treatment 
And, uh, and actually, you know, leading to that, we can uh, give the, the best uh, outcomes to that, uh, definite, you know, to that patient. And uh, among those methods, uh, uh, Jonathan, we have, well, you know, again, this is very complex, but uh, at the beginning, we analyze the extension of the tumor. We know where that is, and, uh, and, and, then, and then we define the, the staging. Then we can ask if the patient that can be or that tumor can have um, uh, you know, a minimally invasive surgery. That means can be resected. Could it be resected surgically? Uh, and we have a team of experts in robotic surgery here that has actually uh, uh, improved the postoperative uh, uh, recovery of these of, of lung cancer patients. So that is an an, an important uh, method and an approach. And if there is a, if the tumor cannot be removed. Um, uh, surgically, then we discuss different options like adding radiation therapy. Here at the Miami Cancer Institute, we have available uh, a full spectrum of, uh, of techniques in radiation therapy up to the famous um, uh, proton beam accelerator. So that mm -hmm. is amazing. And if the patient cannot, uh, I mean, and always, you know, patients will have uh, what we what we do, I mean, that genetic profiling that uh, we were talking at the beginning, trying to identify if there is any 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 driver mutation, that driver mutation that could be targeted. That means that could be treated and treated with oral oral uh, therapy. So uh, again, uh, I do chemotherapy, biologics, immunotherapy. Chemotherapy continues to be as you know playing a significant role in lung cancer. Continues to be the backbone of medical oncology. But we are adding a new intravenous uh, medication called immunotherapy, and you and people are hearing because there is a lot of advertising on immunotherapy, and that immunotherapy actually has revolutionized uh, our treatment. Uh, there are patients with a very advanced disease that respond very well to immunotherapy wow. that can, uh, you know, can have a survival for many, many years, and we see that. And and actually, the concept is is, is a novel concept because is an intravenous chemotherapy. I mean, intravenous immunotherapy, not chemotherapy, that will allow the 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 patient's own immune system to be activated, and that. Is this that immune system that goes against those uh, the cancer cells and prevent uh, growth? So the so so the multidisciplinary approach, but also the um, uh, availability of all the different technological advancements and treatments really makes the unique um, uh, the Miami Cancer Institute uh, experience um, you know relatively unique. Laurie, can you speak a little bit about the uh, Saved by the Scan partnership between Baptist Health and the American Lung Association? Sure. So um, the goal, obviously, is early detection and to raise awareness. Uh, fortunately, even though I said awareness is only 8%, it's up from 3%. So we've had a big increase through um, these promotions, through these joint partnerships with um, Baptist um, for with Save, Save by the Scan. And so although my mother's treatment wasn't necessarily a lung scan, it was a scan that ultimately led to early detect detection. Um, I believe that if we include lung scans as part of our preventative care, we can increase the rate for early detection, um, increase the awareness rate, and increase the lifespan of individuals affected by, by lung cancer. Um, the partnership is a great opportunity um, for, you, for people to 
get screened for early detection and through the American Lung Association and Baptist Health, um, we're doing our part to um, educate and raise awareness that this is an option and it's available for folks and should be discussed with from even at the um, primary care stage, right? With, with your primary care doctor and part of your total health care screening um, from, from your physical, you know, go, go get that lung, lung screen when, so that you can um, avoid um, not learning about the potential, the possibility of lung cancer um, when it's too late. To our listeners, remember that you can send us your comments and suggestions for future topics at Baptist Health Talk at BaptistHealth.net. That's BaptistHealthTalk at BaptistHealth.net. On behalf of everyone at Baptist Health, thanks for listening and stay safe. Find additional valuable health and wellness information on our resource blog at BaptistHealth.net slash news. And be sure to interact with us on our social media channels for live and upcoming events. This podcast is brought to you by Baptist Health South Florida, healthcare that cares.